0: Hey friends, today's podcast episode is with Dr. Eric Anderer. He is a neurosurgeon practicing in New York City. And today's topic is low back pain, specifically the non-surgical management of it and what you can do to heal yourself and heal yourself from the pain and, um, you know, get yourself living your best life. I think this is a super important topic and a topic a lot of us uh, can relate to because it not... I mean, not only if we're not dealing with the back pain ourselves, but if we know someone who is dealing with back pain, this is such a good conversation to hear hear because it can change uh, your perspective about a few key things when it comes to back pain. So I'd uh, really recommend going through to the end of this podcast. Uh, Before we get started, i got to shout out my favorite medical scrubs brand, Metalita, because not only do they have the best quality scrubs of all, um, they also uh, have a really cool way of embroidering your name and credentials onto their scrubs. They have the best, literally their stitching is probably second to none. Um, And also their products are just so, I mean you can really, really feel the difference in their, in their products. I've had some of their products for two years now, and it's like they're still brand new. Uh, they really put an emphasis on um, durability, quality, and, um, and sustainability, which I cannot say uh, is true for other scrub, ba- scrub brands. So uh, if you guys are looking or doing your shopping for the holiday season, and you want gift to gift a health professional, uh, something, this actually makes the perfect gift. Um, you can always embroider their name on the scrubs. You can even get help choosing the right size for them. Uh, if you want to do this, you can just go to www.metalita.com and you can click on contact us. They're super helpful when it comes to helping customers with uh, picking out a product. All right. That's my little talk on that. Also, if you are a pre med or someone who is still in high school and you're looking for ways to get better at studying, or if you're a parent and you're trying to get your kid to learn to study better or uh, be better in school, my friend Dr. Buck Parker is offering a great course on teaching uh, young uh, high school and college kids how to study better and be more efficient. Um, so I would highly recommend that. If you want to check that out, the link is in the show notes. You can just click and follow that, and uh, you can learn a little more about that course. All right, we're going to get into the episode now. Hey, what's up, guys? This podcast episode is with Dr. Eric Andere. He is a Chief of Neurosurgery in New York City, and he's joining us today to talk about non-surgical management of back pain, which is a huge topic for people and a huge concern for people uh, Dr. Eric, is it Dr. Eric or Anderer?
1: Do you go by? Anderer. Yeah, Anderer. Anderer. Yeah, All right. You can call, call me Eric.
0: <laughs> All right. <Okay. laughs> super cool guy. I've been chatting with him for a little bit already. And, uh, I, I I'm super pumped for this episode because there's so much I want to learn. Um, but Dr. Uh, so Eric, can you give us just a quick background on what you do and, uh, what the majority of your practice is like?
1: Sure. So I'm uh, I'm chief of neurosurgery at a pretty busy hospital in New York City. Um, it's a trauma center, um, and so we get a fair number of trauma uh, patients. But a lot of what I do is spine. Uh, so I think my 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 specialty is, and I did a fellowship in spine, uh, which was a combination between orthopedics and neurosurgery. Um, I'm a um, I'd say a little bit older than your average Instagram user. So um, at the time that I was training, uh, spine was. You know, it was sort of split. Um, there was the ortho way of doing things, which a lot of times comprised things like you know deformity and other kind of biomechanic considerations, and then there was neurosurgery, that was more thought to be more like nerves and you know uh, spinal cord stuff. Um, and I think that. There's a lot of there's been a change in the way that we think about spine pathology. And so at the time when I was doing it, um, you know, it was split. But I kind of did this thing where I did a fellowship within orthopedics, even though I was a neurosurgery resident. Mm -hmm. So I think that really kind of gave me a broad way of looking at things. And um, and so uh, my practice now is like 95 percent elective spine. And I also take neurosurgery call. Um, And as I said, because it's a busy trauma center, Mm -hmm. we do everything, you know, the cranial stuff, the you know, pretty much whatever comes in.
0: Right. Awesome. And you, you have a pretty interesting background as well. I was reading through some of your posts on social media and you used to be, I read that somewhere that you used to be in a rock band and,
1: uh, I did, I did. So yeah, so I went to Columbia medical school. So I was in New York. Um, and I'd, uh, I'd been a musician for a long time. My mother's a musician. So, uh, it was, it was funny. It was one of these things where I was a classically trained pianist. And then at some point I was like, I want to play electric guitar. And my parents were like, "Well, that's fine, but uh, but you have to give us a concert first on the uh, on on your the my mo- my mother's old acoustic classical guitar." Yeah. So at that point, when I did that and and showed some proficiency and interest, they bought me an electric guitar. So anyway, so I did that for a while. I played, and then um, I ended up hooking up with a couple of other medical students at Columbia, and we started off just doing talent shows, you know, just uh-huh. kind of like writing writing songs and making fun of our classmates and our teachers <laughs> and that, that kind of stuff. That's yeah, um, always and then, fun. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> and then for yeah. some reason, we just decided, you know, why don't we take this show on the road? So we, we it started off with literally just meet one of my buddies on a drum machine and one of us playing guitar. And then we ended up getting a real drummer. And then we started playing out. And those of you that are from New York City, I mean, you'd probably know some of these places. We ended up playing, you know, the Mercury Lounge and the Bowery Ballroom and the Knitting Factory and, so we actually played, we were pretty serious about it for, for quite some time. Wow. This it, is it, all during videos. medical school, right? This was during medical school, but also residency. So wow. during residency, um, we were actually doing some of this. Uh, and actually, I was probably more uh, involved um, and spent more time with the band during residency than I did subsequently, primarily because I think it was like an escape for me. you know? Right. Because there was a time when it got really serious. And you know, we actually were speaking to... You know, record executives, and we actually what? thought for really, <laughs> we thought for, <laughs> for a hot minute that we might actually quit. And then, then we thought, were you, right were you we guys
0: thought. all, were you guys all neurosurgery residents at the time?
1: No, one of the um, one of the other guys is an orthopedic. Was an orthopedic surgery resident. He's now an ortho, ortho attending. Um, yeah. uh, at the same institution that I am. And then the other guy um, is does a uh, music therapy, um, and he's like a legit musician. He was yeah. our drummer so it was good. I mean it was great it was a, the, the, uh, the band was good we just sort of meshed really really well wow. and, uh, and it was just a good it was a good escape for us I think in some ways what I a, think it's really good it's really good to have these outlets oh
0: absolutely I mean I thought I was doing a lot with uh, having a podcast and being in residency and now I'm, now I'm like oh I'm not I just. think you are I think <laughs> you are <laughs> this, this is a lot of work <laughs> but I mean that's a pretty cool title neurosurgeon slash rock star
1: if only it were true <laughs> want to want to be rock stars probably more like well so,
0: so so it's really cool now what I, I mean i i guess that kind of gives me a look into your personality as well because you you have like an open mind i guess you're pretty open-minded about things which kind of says a little bit about the way you're practicing right now and uh sure. you know i what what i find interesting is that you have as a neurosurgeon you have a focus on non-surgical management of back pain which i think is really interesting because of course as neurosurgery you know your bread and butter is doing neurosurgery and that's your work right so how did you what where did this like focus come from for you
1: well i mean for me it was i mean obviously i'm a spine surgeon so i see a lot of people with neck pain and back pain and um you know the the problem is that even even in offices that have you know that are very busy that only see people that have been evaluated by a physical therapist or a pain management still the vast majority of people that you see coming into your office don't need surgery mm-hmm. and so even even though what you do primarily and what your job is is surgery what are you going to tell that majority of people that come in that don't need surgery? It's just like, okay, well, go do something. Do what? Well, I don't know. Physical therapy, anti-inflammatory meds and injections and, you know, a lot of this stuff. There's stuff out there um, and they've studied a lot of this stuff, but there isn't really a consensus on the best way to treat back pain, particularly chronic back pain Mm -hmm. um, that doesn't need surgery, which is the case for most people. Right. So I I just kind of felt uncomfortable with the idea that, you know, if it doesn't fall into my narrow province, because it is narrow and there are very few people that I think that really respond well to surgery and you you need to select them well. Um, you know, it, it just felt odd to me just to kind of throw them in this bucket of like, okay, we'll go do something else. Right. Cause the problem is that something else oftentimes would include things like opiates, Right. which I mean, I don't need to tell any of your audience of this, which is a huge problem. Of course. And, you know, it's something that had been, um, pushed, uh, you know, obviously to a certain extent with, you know, advertising to positions and. Um, and I think also with the idea that um, a lot of physicians and hospitals were graded on patient satisfaction scores, which oh, meant yeah, you know, yeah. pain control, right? right? And so it was almost marketed to doctors as if
0: it was a vital sign.
1: Right. If yeah. you don't give the pain, if you don't properly control their pain with mm-hmm. medicine or however you do it, then you're being a bad doctor. Um, and, you know, I think that there are a lot of well meaning physicians that gave opiates um, mm-hmm. to people thinking they were going to help them, and this ended up causing. legion of addicts. And so I think we're all, a lot of us are coming to the realization that that's just not the way to treat any real, any chronic pain, but particularly, you know, chronic back pain, which is, you know, sort of what I do. Mm -hmm. Um, so anyway, I mean, I, you know, I wanted to basically a avoid opiates Mm -hmm. and B have something to tell the majority of people that come into my office, what to do. Um, so, uh, I, have always been, you know, sort of into, exercise and other activities and, you know, um, playing sports and, you know, I did that in college and all. So it's something that I, that I've always been interested in doing. Um, and I think that it's something that needs to be studied. Mm -hmm. So I kind of got into, to yoga. Um, and I also think things like Pilates and swimming and other core strengthening activities are good. Um, but the thing I like particularly about yoga is the combination of both the physiological aspect. So Core strengthening, holding poses, actually being in somewhat uncomfortable positions that you have, actually have to, have to have your body adapt to. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the psychological, the meditative aspect. Because I think chronic pain um, oh, yeah. is, is as much psychological as it is physical. 100%. Um, so that, that's the reason why that modality in particular I yeah. think appeals to me. But there's a lot of modalities out yeah. there.
0: I mean, this—that's a huge, huge conversation. This is so big. I mean, back pain—I see this almost every single day, and this is in primary care, family practice. Exactly, and And
1: you're you're the ones that are on the front lines. Right, you're the ones that treat most of the back pain and decide if they come to someone like me. Right, Right. so this is very important for what you do.
0: Right, exactly, and just you know, everyday people, a lot of people don't know exactly what their options are, or if some people feel like they're never going to get better. And some people feel like the the pain the pain is just too much and it's unbearable and they don't know exactly the steps to take. And I'm gonna use a personal example. Like my mom just had uh, she had a disc, and mm. she's she's been uh, suffering from back pain and you know she has these flare ups and she, you know the options weren't really clear for her. What does she do? What does she? Right. Uh, Does she use the muscle relaxer or the pain medication or does she do uh, Some kind of exercise to make things better, you know, it wasn't really clear to her like that she could get better and then there's always the You know, you get the MRI and then you find something and then there's the confusion of well Is this just a normal finding or is this something that we really need to treat?
1: That's huge and that's the reason why I mean everyone if I can do one thing over the next five years Um, And it's I actually I also do like a a radio show in Sirius where I talk about this stuff, too Mm -hmm. Um, If I could do one thing through any medium whether it's social media radio, whatever and to get out into the general public, it's that um, MRIs um, oftentimes are useless studies for back pain number one Mm -hmm. because they do show all kinds of things that are irrelevant and number two Disc herniations or disc problems in general in general. I'm not saying for every every case um, but in general, are probably not the cause of your back pain.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and because I we, we find we them. The idea we find a, them on everybody.
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean, you can take a very normal person with no symptoms, and there's a good exactly. chance that they'll have a small herniation or something.
1: Exactly, and yeah. so I, I, I and I think actually that's part of the psychological aspect of pain because people end up once you get that MRI and they know they have a disc herniation, whether or not it's related, people fixate on that idea. So mm-hmm. the people will come into my office and say things like, I'll, I'll ask them, hey, you know, how are you doing, Dr. Andrew? Um, what are you, uh, what is it, what are you here for and how can I help you? And they're like, my L4-5 hurts. I'm like, mm, okay, well, that, that may or may not be true. Tell me about your symptoms. And so people get fixated on the idea that there's some structural problem they've identified on an MRI. And that's the cause of their problem. Mm-hmm. And I don't think in a lot of cases that's it. Um, and so that's part of the reason why I think uh, MRIs, unless you're looking for something very specific, and they absolutely have their place because they're great studies. Yeah. Um, and the problem that comes from, I think, the fact that they're such good studies that they show all kinds of irrelevant info. Mm-hmm.
0: So, what do you, so what would you tell the, the person listening or if someone has a loved one? that, Because we all know somebody that's sure. suffering from back pain. What are some good steps to take once you, you know, you, once you understand that okay, this is what's going on, you're in pain. At what point do you do you decide? Okay, I've done everything that I could. At what point should I even consider surgery?
1: Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I think that a lot of it depends on who you are. Um, so, if you're if you have any risk factors, you have to have your alarm bells up a little. I think uh, more so than somebody like you who's younger and healthier. So. Somebody that's on chronic steroids, somebody that's older, somebody that had a recent trauma, somebody that has a history of cancer or a history of systemic infection, mm-hmm. things like that. Any kind of red flag, those people that have back pain should probably get investigated. In other words, MRI, see a physician.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: In the vast majority of other cases um, where somebody just has sort of back pain out of the blue, the weekend warrior that like, you know, was lifting yeah. weights and has back pain, you don't actually really need to see a physician generally. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, take your anti-inflammatory meds. If you need to take it easy for a day or two. But the main thing is get moving. I think the old paradigm was you have back pain, you throw your back out, you mm-hmm. lay in bed for a week. Right. And that yeah. really is, it's counterproductive. Yeah. The, 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 the thinking now is you got to get moving. And the people that tend to do well longer are the ones that get moving sooner and get back to their daily activities sooner. Right. So that, that's it's almost that's,
0: counterintuitive for people.
1: It is because yep. they have pain and they're like, well, if I have pain, it's my body telling me something I need to stop. And then mm-hmm. in some ways, actually stopping that activity makes things worse. Right. Um, so we're going to assume then, let's say you do all that and you don't get better. Um, you know, I think the next step is going to be yes, you'd have to start some kind of um, targeted um, core strengthening mm-hmm. regimen, whether that's self directed through something like a yoga or a Pilates or a swimming, which is mm-hmm. another good one or physical therapy as prescribed by your doctor, um, along with other kinds of symptomatic uh, you know, things. So things like injections can help um, for certain types of pain, particularly radiculopathy, but also mm-hmm. back pain. Um, and I think that if you get to the point where none of those things are working, and you have an MRI that explains what's going on uh-huh. clearly, yeah. so for back pain, just back pain, not radiculopathy in the leg, just for back pain, there's a very limited indication um, for surgery. Generally, mm-hmm. it isn't a disc herniation mm-hmm. um, for back pain surgery. Generally, what you should be doing it for um, is instability. Okay. Right. So things like where I'm sure you've heard of or seen the you know spondylolisthesis. Yeah. Which for those of you out there that don't know what that is, it's basically your bones are stacked neatly one on top of the actually I think I have one here. Bones are stacked neatly, neatly, one on top of the other. Right. Spondylolisthesis is when, for whatever reason, sometimes the joints can be worn out. Sometimes uh, it can actually be a stress fracture, but mm-hmm. whatever the reason is, the bone starts to slip—not like that, <laughs> a little bit forward or right. backward relative to the one above or below it. So that's so that's that's an indication, general instability. This yeah. one mm-hmm. would be an indication for doing surgery um, for back pain. Right. Uh, um, Ridiculopathy is a different story. Um, and, and that's, that's pretty-
0: just, a, that. for people listening, that's just the shooting mm-hmm. pains down the leg or the shooting uh, electric shock type symptoms or the numbness right. and tingling going down the legs.
1: Exactly. So the pain, numbness, tingling that you would have usually in one particular spot down the leg, mm-hmm. if we're talking about a lumbar spine disc or down the arm, if we're talking about a cervical spine disc. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is also treated initially with anti-inflammatory meds, activity, physical therapy, and then if you see something that looks like it's causing the problem and you failed the non-surgical treatment, that's mm-hmm. when you start thinking about surgery.
0: Right. So uh, let's go back to just, you know, prior to surgery, because I'm thinking, uh, once again, I'm putting this context into people that I know. Uh, so what do, you, what do you try to educate patients on? Uh, in terms of getting them to understand that this is, you can take control of this, and this is fixable through, you know, you just, just doing the exercises every day, and you can get back to your normal functioning right. and not be in pain. What do you try to? How do you kind of get that message across to people? And what ways do you it's, do that?
1: It's hard because I think a lot of times when people have the pain, um, they it's it's almost like they come to your office um, and think that there's something about them that needs to get fixed, something mm-hmm. structural. Yeah. So they say, they're almost disappointed sometimes when I tell them you don't need surgery. Yeah. Um, Cause they're like, oh well, I thought that I'd just come in and you'd fix something up. But what you said, you said um, something I think which is exactly right, um, you said take control. And that's, and that's I think what most of this is. Um, yeah. Unless you have something structural, which again is a minority of people, um, most back pain treatment involves self care. Involves taking control of your symptoms, which usually involves activity. Self-directed activity is probably just as good as any other, Mm -hmm. Um, but activity that we can prescribe through physical therapy and others. But the bottom line is, um, you know, I think that through core strengthening, through activity, through anti-inflammatory, and I'm talking like over-the-counter anti-inflammatory medication. Mm -hmm. That's that that that's usually it. I mean, most back pain is self-limited. Right. It It just goes away. I had a buddy of mine who called me. He never had pain before. He was in a panic. Mm-hmm. He literally in a panic. I mean, grown man yeah. in a panic. He was like crying and telling me that he's so going common. To yeah, it's so common. I, not, I don't. like Something is wrong with me. Get. He was like getting angry with me that I wouldn't send him for an MRI. It's like a buddy of mine. He's yeah. Like, send me for an MRI. Something is wrong. Like da da da. And I was like, Look, you're gonna you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna be okay. <laughs> Just go take some anti-inflammatory meds and start moving again. You right. do yoga. Get back into your yoga class right. now. Mod- modify a little bit. You're not know, gonna do it in headstands today, right. but. You know, modify
0: any any warning signs though. If someone does have the back pain, like I know there's a few that we uh, that we look out for, like the sure. cauda kind of symptoms. Just to mention for people in case anyone's listening, of or has that.
1: So again, so uh, just to go over those red flags again because I think it is important. If you have a history of uh, chronic infection, chronic steroid use, like for things like you know, let's say asthma, mm-hmm. uh, you're older than 55, you had a recent trauma, you have a history of cancer. Any of those things with new back pain, you should see a doctor. Mm-hmm. Okay. So those, those are the main things. Mm-hmm. Now, back pain associated with, let's say, leg pain or even worse would be like a foot drop. Yeah. People have heard of that where like the foot gets weak and you actually drag your foot. You should probably see a physician for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the quota equina, which you mentioned, would be back pain usually associated with um, leg pain but also weakness and then usually it's acute urinary problems, usually retention. Mm, so if okay. you stop being able to pee yep. and then you start like not being able to feel your groin, like it's called saddle anesthesia. So yep. the areas we'd be sitting on a saddle, if you don't have feeling in that area, you stop being able to pee, you get any kind of weakness in your legs, that's actually an emergency. You come to the emergency room right away. Right. Right. So hmm. you don't have that. The vast majority of garden variety back pain mm-hmm. does not need, does not even need to see a physician. Right.
0: So what I noticed that you're doing some things on your Instagram with yoga, and uh, you know you're trying to promote,
1: uh, yeah. which is so really actually, the Instagram thing is whole new to me too. Like, yeah, like,
0: no, it's super cool. Uh, We're gonna, not you a got,
1: social media guy.
0: Like, <laughs> you're doing a great job with it, though. Uh, you guys got to follow. What's your at tag?
1: Oh, it's uh Dr. Eric Anderer. So D R E R I C H because it's the German spelling. D R E R I C H A N D E R E R. Doctor Andor. You guys,
0: you guys got to follow Doctor Andor.
1: Thank you. Um, yeah, so, but it's it's just one of those things where I felt like, uh, you know, I'm, as I said, I was a, I'm a little bit older. I mean, you know, sort of a t- attending for 10 years. I mean, all that um,
0: yoga is doing good for you, man. You look like yeah. you're 35.
1: <laughs> Thank you. I think, it's also the, I think it's also the Japanese mother. Oh, is that? Okay.
0: I, I could sense some ethnicity in you. I didn't yeah, know what it was.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, the Japanese mother. Thing. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I felt like, um, you know, obviously people are getting information from Instagram. Um, and Instagram is this big, you know, it's like the wild West, right? Mm-hmm. So people are out there putting on all kinds of things, but, you know, it's great, right? I mean, yeah. particularly when you want to look up recipes or look up design ideas and all that, but you know, there's, um, I think a little bit more, um, there's a little bit more danger when it comes to basically disseminating kind of medical information that oh, people yeah. would part and potentially, you know, sort of, you take as advice. Mm-hmm. Um, And so I think we just have to be careful as physicians in how we do that and how we present ourselves. Uh, And so, you know, as sort of like that, I mean, in, in that vein, that's kind of why I wanted to get involved. Also, yeah. because I feel like, if, you know, if you don't get involved, you're going to get left behind. I mean, oh, if you're the, absolutely. If you're not the one controlling the conversation, then someone else is going to do it for yeah, you.
0: Yeah, 100%. That's, yeah. you know, that's actually one of the big driving forces behind this whole podcast. Because yeah. I thought, you know, if no one's taking, if the conversation's not being held by the experts or had by the experts and people don't go, know where to go to listen and get their advice, then, right. you know, people are just going to get it from the wrong kind of people. and i just had this whole rant the other day about the uh, the anti-vaccination movement and all that thing that's although i mean it was driving me nuts because i was just like i mean just like bloggers online with no with like a high school degree that suddenly started uh eating uh vegan and doing some yoga suddenly feel like they can tell the the masses what to do and without any information without any like proof or expertise behind what they're saying and it's that's the whole thing. That that's what's going on right now. Like this virality of information, mm-hmm. and people people are confused. I think so. I'm trying to put the power back in the hands of the experts, like yourself. You know, you, you've been doing this for ten years. You went to school for. God knows how long. You've you did seven years, eight years of residency?
1: Yeah, it's seven seven years of residency, uh infolded year of fellowship and yeah, four years of med school and all that. So, yeah, yeah, and you've
0: had long. or I mean, if anybody knows about this conversation, it's you. But hey guys, thank you for tuning into the podcast. We're gonna just take a second to talk about This great promotion from our sponsor, Metalita. They know what it's like to have an active schedule and not very much free time. That is why they are offering a free at home try on. So, if you're not 100% sure of your size or your style, you can easily order multiple things from their website at Metalita.com. You can try them on at the comfort of your own home. You can keep what you like, return what you don't like, or if you want something embroidered, you can have it sent back to get it embroidered. This is all done with shipping covered by Metalita, and this is 100% risk free. You can also get an additional 20% off by using the discount code beyondmedicine20. Now, back to the episode. So, uh, I want to take the, I want to take the focus back to the to the oh, yeah, yoga, to, right? To the yoga <laughs> and the, because yeah. I want people to walk away with something that they can re- really feel like they can start implementing into their lives and feel like they can start getting better because, uh, I feel like that's important because when they hear it coming from, from you, you know, Mm -hmm. that is, that holds so much weight because their doctors are telling them why people. The thing is you can get 10 different opinions from 10 different doctors. Right. right? Right, right, And I, I think what you're doing is so great because you're really empowering people because you hold so much, you know, authority and knowledge and expertise behind you that people trust you.
1: Well, I think, I think that's true to a certain extent, but the, mm-hmm. what I really want to do, honestly, is put power back in people's hands. Right. Because I think part of the problem with being, and this is not a necessarily a criticism of Western medicine, but like one of the issues with intervention, intervention-based medicine in general, and we are very good um, in, in terms of those of us in Western medicine at intervening at, you know, sort of uh, altering a disease process once it's, t- once it's taken hold. Mm-hmm. where I think that we fall down a little bit, and you're probably more sensitive to this than I am because of what you do, um, is the fact that I don't, I don't think we're quite as good about prevention and maintenance. Um, you yeah. know, and I think and it's becoming a, a more of a focus yeah. now as it should be. Definitely. But the thing is a lot of those principles, those are Eastern medicine principles. Yeah. I was, you um, know I was
0: just going to go to that. Just to le- <laughs> yeah. so so great that you mentioned that. Yeah. And, 100%. And, and, and,
1: and that's, and it's been done like that for a long time. So, I think that there is, I mean, I, I don't think you're going to be, you know, curing cancer with hyperbaric oxygen, right? Or whatever, mm-hmm. or like, you know, so, or, you know, Tai Chi or something. Right. Um, however, um, I think there's a lot of things um, that need to get treated uh, and probably need to get treated not on an intervention-based um, basis. You know what right. I mean? So mm-hmm. I think that where med- where Western medicine has its holes um, we can plug them with principles from other modalities and other systems, exactly. and that's why I think you know a lot of. I mean, honestly, Reiki, um, a lot of other kind of Eastern modalities, I think have mm-hmm. a lot to, to 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 contribute to the mm-hmm. conversation, and that's kind of why I got interested in yoga you because I have... really think it's been it's something that that is uh, that's beneficial for not just back pain but all kinds of other other illnesses.
0: I'm really I'm really actually I'm really glad that you mentioned that because there's this conspiracy that you know if you're not 100 percent western evidence-based medicine that you're a quack or you're not you're not right uh you know whatever but right. you know there are eastern medicine has been around for thousands of years four exactly. five thousand years and west and if you put that in perspective i mean nothing is going to be around for thousands of years that wasn't doing at least some good
1: right no <laughs> I, I totally agree with that and i think that and the reason why is because it doesn't necessarily fit neatly into Western medicine paradigms, mm-hmm. mainly because there hasn't been data generated about it. Mm-hmm. So the only thing that we can do as Western medicine practitioners is generate the data. Mm-hmm. You know? So I'm, for, I'm, I'm actually working with um, a very prominent um, uh, Ashtanga yogi mm-hmm. to actually de- generate data. Like we're going to develop a, you know, a, basic, a way of treating chronic back pain um, and, uh, and essentially study it. Um, and study it against the usual non-surgical treatment of back pain and sort of show what it does. I mean, I, I theorize that it's going to be better than the, the usual non-surgical treatment, but the bottom line is this will add to the data set, so it will inform the conversation, and so it will add legitimacy in the eyes of people that need to be converted, which, honestly, are Western medicine aficionados. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think there's a lot of people out there who obviously believe in this stuff and that have practiced it, and know anecdotally that it works. Right. So we're going to show. I mean, we're going to show it, I think, with data. But, you know, that's what you have to do. You have to generate the data for at least those in um, the Western medicine camp to, to, to believe in it. Exactly. Uh, and I, and and then, I think a lot of us that do believe in it, uh, anecdotally. Yeah. But.
0: yeah, because you do have those cases of people telling you, you know, you, once in a while you hear that case of someone trying something different and saying, you know, it worked for them. And then there's also the whole placebo. Of, I, I personally think placebo is great. If something's going to make you feel better, why not?
1: I mean, placebo is real, right? Yeah. I mean, placebo is a real thing. So yeah. if, if if you feel it's better, it's just the power the
0: power of the mind too it has such an mm-hmm. effect on you know healing the body. If you're if you believe your body's getting better in some way, you might be getting better.
1: Well, that's the thing. I mean, I think a lot of this is you have to sort of change the narrative um, about you know the way in which you conceive of yourself, the way you conceive of your illness. Um, if you think of yourself as sick, then mm-hmm. it will be it will be mm-hmm. so um, and. If you think of yourself as somebody who is actually you know, temporarily sick, somebody who has the power within themselves to make themselves better, yeah. that goes a long way. Mm-hmm. Now, again, that's not necessarily going to take care of everything, mm-hmm. but it's a huge factor, I think, in a lot, of, a lot more illnesses than you would think, a lot more conditions than you would think. Mm-hmm. And I think something like chronic pain is definitely one of them.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, because there's a huge psychological component to it.
1: Huge. Yeah, yeah huge.
0: Yeah. So what kind of results have you seen with patients that, that you've been recommending these exercises uh, for?
1: Well, the interesting thing is, I mean, a lot of, as I said, a lot of people actually come into my office thinking that they're going to need surgery. So mm-hmm. they're almost disappointed when I yeah. tell them, I don't think you need surgery. I don't think it's going to help you. And they're like, well, what am I going to do? And like, you know, I start talking to them about, well, I think yoga might help you and they start, you know, or, or meditation. I think mm-hmm. yoga or meditation might help you. And they sort of look at me like, doc, what are you talking about? Like, yeah. What do you mean? Like I have a I have an L four five disc herniation. What what's yoga going to do about that? What am I going to meditate on it? It's like that's like, that's going to make it better. Um, and I tell them yes, yeah. Because the other thing is too. It's like the way we experience pain, it is it's it's mediated by the brain, right? So I, I I do this whole thing when I talk to patients, particularly chronic pain patients. I'm like the pain's in your head, and then they start obviously you know that that sounds like I'm you know yeah. belittling one thing. But yeah. then I'm like wait, let me finish. Yeah. So the reason. The reason I'm saying that is because it is a, it's a it's a brain-mediated response. So there is something going on somewhere where your body is sending a signal up. It gets relayed through your spinal cord and relayed through the brain into the cortex, and that's how you experience the pain. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a very strong psychological aspect to that um, that gets sort of this, this feedback loop initiated mm-hmm. um, where it becomes almost a fear response, um, and that fear response ends up becoming something that becomes part of you, um, in a, in a psychological sense. Mm. So I think that people end up looking at pain almost as an appendage. Like it's something that's inherently part of them now. Mm, okay. And th- the idea really would be to sort of break that feedback loop. So I tell them the pain is in your head. Yeah, okay. Um, I mean, it's something that, that some, something uh-huh. else is going on, but it is in, it is in your head. So you have the power to a certain extent to be able to, to, to mitigate it somewhat. Now, if there's something specific and organic causing the pain, we can help that but mm-hmm. usually, chronic pain—it's—it's it's harder to find that that organic structural cause, mm-hmm. um, and so that's why I think that attacking it from the psychological point is valuable. So that's mm-hmm. why I think things like yoga, but also meditation. I know they've done mm-hmm. a lot of stuff on um, you know mindfulness-based stress reduction mm-hmm. and other cognitive behavioral therapy techniques for this. Mm-hmm. I think it—I that, think that's the reason why it's been proven to be at least preliminarily effective.
0: Wow, you know, it's really interesting that you just said something that just like clicked for me, and it was. Uh, You said this loop This feedback loop Or this Kind of Wiring that happens In Mm -hmm. the brain And To me That just I just had this talk With my buddy The other day And uh, we were talking about this cycle of anxiety that goes on uh, with people suffering from anxiety or having panic attacks And it was mm-hmm. and I was and I I had researched this for a while pretty extensively and I was learning about like kind of the the way the brain the, the plasticity of the brain right. and how uh, when you're focused on one thing and you're repeating these patterns uh you're you're kind of uh reinforcing certain uh connections in your brain so you're you're,
1: rewiring your circuitry basically. exactly right so there's this
0: so basically the axons in your brain are forming they're extending and they're this they're becoming kind of the same way that a muscle you know gets stronger when you keep using it the same way your axons work the same way and they they wire and they become really strong and then it, it becomes really hard for you to break that cycle because they right. become so, they become so strong, and, and once, you, also, yeah, once you and once like you once you understand also, that and you know that it, you have to break that connection, yeah. it kind of empowers you because then you think, oh, okay, I can do something about this.
1: Exactly, and I think that's that's the important point. That um, and almost no matter what it is, because even if it is an organic structural cause. Because there's pain involved, because there's anxiety involved with the structural problem, cancer, you know, for one, right? Mm -hmm. There is a huge extent to which your psychology plays into that and makes things worse. So to whatever extent you can, even with a structural organic problem, um, sort of reworking your psychology and the way that you relate to the illness Mm -hmm. and the way that you relate to the condition has a huge effect on how you honestly how you do. Mm -hmm. This is why I think that, you know. There have been, you know, the studies, those famous studies on prayer and all working yeah. for people. That's why I think it works. Yeah. It's because it's, it's not necessarily that. I mean, look, I mean, I, I, I grew up a Catholic, so I'm not going to necessarily get into the whole yeah. like, prayer thing.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, you know, that it's a separate issue. But mm-hmm. I think that just by focusing on something psychologically, I think mm-hmm. there is something to that. Okay. Um, and there's something to breaking that psychological feedback loop. That gives people anxiety. Mm -hmm. That makes people feel worse about their condition, and it ultimately causes somatic, you know, body, you know, type of responses. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that there's definitely something to it.
0: Yeah, and there's research on that too. Like you said, you know, there's research showing that people that practice uh, a certain religion or faith doesn't matter what it is, they end up living healthier, longer lives.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Maybe I, I should, maybe I should go back to church. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I need to go to it's the been mosque too. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, but, no, I, I, and I again, I, I think it's, that's right. It's, it's immaterial in some ways. It's more about like, are you somebody that has a way of thinking about something and that has a way of ordering their psychology, which mm-hmm. is obviously what most religion ends up being like how you relate to the world, how you relate to God, whatever, Exactly. however you want to call it. It's, that's what it is, right? And so mm-hmm. I think that that is important. Yeah. Um, we're getting really deep here. I
0: really like how this. <laughs> I really like the turn we took on this uh, on this uh, episode right here start because
1: up, start off talking about rock music. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, what's really cool is that you know when you give people a, a, another way at looking at something or another perspective or you know maybe just opening that kind of that that planting that seed for them. Yeah. It almost enables them to kind of or empowers them to, to feel like, OK, I have a chance to actually take control of this. Because, you know, a lot of times with Western medicine, they, like you said, patients say, I have this problem here. Can you fix it? Exactly. And exactly. I, I like that where the, the things where, that we just said, it's almost kind of like people are, I want people to realize that, oh, no, I have the power. I'm going to fix it.
1: Right. And honestly, even if you need surgery, for example, um, I've noticed, um, and, uh, there have been some studies on this. I mean, the people that are participating in the run recovery are the ones that do better. Mm-hmm. And so you, you don't want to like hand over this problem and say, you need to fix it. It's like, mm-hmm. we're going to fix this together, but I need as a patient to participate in my own recovery. Otherwise it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, you know, I think that that's, that's, I think the main thing that I want to get across. And it isn't necessarily, um, something specific about like, you know, a, Particular yoga class or a Pilates class or a Reiki or whatever. I think the great thing about all of those modalities is basically the idea that you're putting mm-hmm. the power back in the patient's hands. Self care. Right. It's like mm-hmm. you know, and that's not, that's really what what I want to get across to people.
0: Exactly. It's really interesting. I just had a patient yesterday, and I was lucky because I had some extra time from a no show, and so I really spent like I was like, you know what, this patient, because I yeah. I felt like this patient like actually could make some changes and i i I just Mm -hmm. really believed in this patient like this patient in one year i'm getting her off all her diabetes medications that's my goal and she she was on so i can't say too much because of hipaa and i don't want to like get do any of that but basically it was at the point where i i i I had the choice to start her on an insulin or kind of like you know continue and see if we can kind of like Mm -hmm. re if i could Get that point across to her to really see. I, I wanted to see like how willing she was. I was kind of gauging her interest. Like I wanted want to see how willing she was or how far she would go mm-hmm. to do what she needed to, to 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 bring those to bring her levels down. Yeah. And I I when I got that vibe from her, I was like, oh, we're going to do this. We're going to get this. I'm like, that's my goal. I'm like, listen, I'm invested in you. I, I want to see if we can get you off these meds. Yeah. And uh, I want to see if we can get you feeling better. I explained how, you know, how if she does what I'm telling her, you know, basically I try to get people on a paleo kind of uh, diet or, you know, to eliminate some some carbohydrates and eat a little healthier, even talk sometimes about intermittent fasting. Um and so I really like I was like she could tell when she left she's like you're you're such a good doctor you're this and that and to only be I honestly most doctors know a lot more than me I just spent the time and believed in the patient and you got empowered. her yeah and empowered her and she felt like I was the best doctor in the world because I did that and and, that, and you know, one year from now, that's my rule. I want to have her off yeah, the
1: medications. Yeah, yeah. well, that's uh, you know, that that's basically the first principle of customer service, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, empower the customer, the patient, to feel not only like they're right, that but that they're, they're being listened to, and they have the power. Yeah, uh, exactly. That's what it, and that's what it is. I mean, exactly, that's what it is. Yeah. And it isn't just a technique. I think it's a reality, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, absolutely. Um, you know, I think the good thing too about um, you know what's going on now, because I think there's a lot more interest in these kinds of modalities and other, you know, things like the yoga, you know, Pilates and other, you know, sort of non-traditional uh, treatment modalities is the fact that people are now trying to generate the data. I mean, mm-hmm. to the extent that now, right, the, the ACP guidelines have changed um, with regard to how they treat chronic back pain. So now the you know, it's, it's out there for the, uh, the American College of Physicians that they should be considering. Like yoga is in there. Yeah, Yoga yeah. is now in there for chronic back pain. Um, and, uh, you know, again, not specifically shilling for yoga, I mean, it's, Mm -hmm. but the point is that there is other sort of non-traditional techniques that are being considered as Mm -hmm. primary treatments for back pain rather than, you know, what had been traditionally done, which is, you know, opiates, medication, Mm -hmm. um, you know, really inactivity. Uh, and so I think that's kind of important and I think it's just important for us as physicians to be involved in the discussion, to kind of continue to generate the data, to make it, to to make it more mainstream.
0: Absolutely. That's super important. Yeah, yeah. Um, I had another question and that was uh, you know for a patient that's a, maybe like overweight or has like a multiple things going on and not like not the person you, not the ideal person or not the person you think of who does yoga typically mm-hmm. and you, you want them to get started or they're even kind of like yeah but look at me like I, I can't really do yoga I'm fat and I'm overweight like they don't have that so, confidence what do you tell them or how do they get started
1: or send them to yoga Okay, I mean, so just like a beginner's
0: course oh yeah. or something to oh, no, start? It's all,
1: I mean, it's for everybody. Yeah. I mean, it's not like, or, or, I mean, or even Pilates or something, or just, just something where they can just start uh, start small. Mm-hmm. So I'll tell them, do you have a gym membership? Mm-hmm. You know, just uh, join one of your classes in the gym, like, you know, aqua therapy or something, mm-hmm. just to get started, to get moving. Um, but the honest truth is that for, um, for the vast majority of these, um, particularly these modalities that involve core strength, uh, a lot of these teachers, um, you know, are people that know a lot about anatomy. Mm-hmm. And so what I'll usually tell people is if you join a yoga class, for example, um, mention to your teacher that you have an issue mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, can I have a disc herniation or I have, you know, whatever, you yeah. know, um, can you modify for this? And if the teacher doesn't really inspire confidence uh, in terms of, you know, their ability to do that, mm-hmm. um, then leave. Um, but I would say that the, the majority of, I mean, all the yoga teachers that I've been involved with and I've had, a, I've, I've been involved with a few of them who I think are, I mean, amazing. They know a, a ton about anatomy. Yeah. Every yoga teacher that I've been involved with has done a dissection, like oh, the wow. same dissection that I do in medical school with cadaver. Really? Wow. Um, yeah. Every yeah. single one of them. They're, and they're, um, so they, they, they know a fair amount uh, uh-huh. about functional anatomy and about, um, you know, and about structure. Uh, so you know, it's the kind of thing that I think that like anything, I mean, if, if you don't get the idea that they know what they're talking about or that they're able to modify, then don't go. But the majority of them should be able to do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I started doing these, uh, these videos with, um, with another with a yoga teacher named uh, Ariel Kiley. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. It's great. And she, uh, you know, we basically went through just one technique about how to treat one problem within, let's say, the spine axis. Mm-hmm. So I would say, you know, low back pain. Uh, how do we do this and so she'll, she'll come out and be like okay well here's a good stretch and a pose and i do it with her and my scrubs and all that yeah. so these are you know, a couple of videos that are on my instagram um and uh and it will actually just take you through something to you know and like i would say well i'm feeling it here and this is interesting because i you know because uh, i'm not really like a, a, a you know an expert yoga practitioner mm-hmm. um and so uh but there are things like that that can be done um and we can just demonstrate little techniques like that
0: that's super cool yeah, nice. yeah. Do you, you, are you aware or do you know like kind of how the, any specific exercises or yoga poses or anything that people that, that you find really help with kind of like the low back pain?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, uh, again, I'm not really a, an expert yoga practitioner, so I Mm -hmm. don't want to like lead your uh, listeners astray necessarily. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that, you know, the the best thing to do would be just to join a class um, of some sort. And, uh, and most classes should be able to modify and start with beginners. And most of it is just, you know, kind of, getting the poses down, getting the basic, you know, sort of uh, flow and, um, you know, the the the, the 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 sort of the rudimentary poses down because mm-hmm. um, the vast majority of those are not going to aggravate a, a major spine problem. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're going in there and they're having you like stand on your head the first day, then
0: <laughs> I'd yeah.
1: say probably, probably not the best, uh, the best, uh, you know, idea for somebody with a, with a spine issue. Right. But, you know, the most beginner classes and pretty much any yoga class is going to mm-hmm. walk, is going to have an ability to, accommodate beginners along with more intermediate or advanced, um, people. So mm-hmm. I, I, I would just say just, just, you know, take a, take stock of your surroundings and make sure your teacher seems like they know what they're doing.
0: Yeah. Do you, do you find that, uh, people that have done this and stuck with it have really had some significant improvement?
1: Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And that's, that's the reason, you know, why I personally advocate for it. Um,
0: they come back well, and so tell you, wow, well, I just, you know, I've been okay. doing this for a few months and I feel great now and
1: i I've had patients come back to me saying things like, "I thought you were nuts," telling me like, "What? I got a disc problem? I'm going to do yoga?" Yeah. Uh, um, you know, like I had a, uh, you know, like a plumber guy like be like, "Oh, you know, yeah. like, what do you mean? I'm doing? I'm, <laughs> like, <did> <laughs> I'm, I'm yeah, doing do yoga?" It's too macho for yoga. Yeah, yoga uh, like like someone that's going to wear yoga pants come yeah. on. but they um you know came back and was like, "I'm better." Thank you. And that's <laughs> you know? amazing. That so works. And again, that's anecdotal. Yeah. Um, but I think that if we put enough of those stories together, um, do the studies on it, generate the data. You know, I think, uh, I think it's going to show something positive.
0: Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited to hear I'm telling my mom to listen to this episode.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Have have mom do some yoga. (laughs) Yeah.
0: She's been doing some exercises.
1: Yeah. 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 It's not, it's not specifically yoga. It's pretty much anything that, that the patient's comfortable with doing. Um, you know, if they're somebody that likes to swim, I, mean, I tell them, great. There are aqua mm-hmm. therapy classes you can take, um, which I think are great too because they're very very low impact. And buoyancy oftentimes does require core strength. Mm-hmm. So swimming, swimming is great. Um, yeah. You know, there are certain types of. I mean, honestly, even even there are certain. I mean, if you're a much more active person that's got some back issues, mm-hmm. there's certain like high intensity interval training that work actually on core as well. Oh, yeah. Now. That comes with a big caveat because you know there's a lot of issues with, with that as well. I mean, mm-hmm. you don't want to be deadlifting if you're right. you know, having back pain. But um, you know the whole like plank position, being in a you know the the sort of the the giraffe thing that they I forget yeah. what it's called. Like you know being in, in um you know the uh in uh, the shoulder activation position. A lot mm-hmm. of that involves core strength. Um, right. So there's a ton of modalities out there. It's just basically the idea is you want to focus on. The support muscles of your spine which isn't just your abdomen so it's not just people think of core as like oh that's my it's my belly right right no it's it's your belly but it's also the paraspinal muscles in the back the posterior paraspinal muscles it's the pelvic muscles mm-hmm. it's this whole basically it's everything that kind of centers you right and that's what you need to work on
0: right awesome this yeah. has been great this is awesome i, would, I feel like i hope so, i hope someone listening here actually is going to be affected by this so yeah it's
1: great yeah awesome thank you for having me on i'm gonna i'm
0: gonna do some yoga after this i think (laughs) (laughs) yeah me too
1: (laughs) after i after i feed my kids (laughs) yeah
0: yeah i'd like to i'd like to ask our guests uh, at the end of each episode what going beyond medicine means to them and i mean this whole conversation is just way beyond medicine so but if you could sum it up in uh,
1: one or two sentences what would you say well, I think a lot of it in, in involves thinking outside the box, getting creative and being collaborative. Um, and I think we touched on it before. Um, there were, There's a sort of this insular idea that we're all in our silos, we are the Western medicine practitioners and these are the Eastern medicine practitioners, they're the quacks, we're the ones who know what we're doing. Um, and they similarly think that, you know, we're the ones that are all like pharmaceutical company shills and we're the ones that just want to cut and all this. and. You know they're both right and they're both wrong um and so i think the main thing for us and the main thing for getting towards what you can call let's say like a unified theory of medicine would be to take the good aspects of each because we both have holes in in our particular philosophies Mm -hmm. and and work together collaborate take what's good about both and uh, and use them
0: love it awesome Thank you so much, Eric. It was a pleasure oh, talking absolutely. with you. Where can people connect with you uh, besides your Instagram? Or if even if someone's in New York City and wants to check you out or, you know, learn more about what you do?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm very easily Googleable. Um, you know, so uh, Dr. Eric Ander, if you want to come see me as a, as a patient, you can reach out to me through there. Um, you know, uh, Instagram is one way of doing it. I'm on Facebook. Um uh, my, the way I spell my name is, is a little bit uh, odd. So it's E-R-I-C-H-A-N-D-E-R-E-R, uh, which also means there's only one of me out there. <laughs> <So laughs> I nice. mean, I'm, e- I'm, I'm easy to find. Good marketing <laughs> tool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Robin. Yep.
0: Hey, podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I hope we brought you some practical, good advice that you can apply to your life. Guys, if you could please do us the favor of sharing this, telling people about it, leaving us a comment, subscribing, all that will help us grow and will help us spread our message. Also, if you'd like to support our podcast, you can go to our website and click support and it will help us grow this podcast and continue doing what we are doing and bringing you more high quality guests like the one you just heard. Thank you guys. Peace.